welcome to another episode of the Diz Explorers podcast, where each week we explore the different avenues of the great Disney universe. This week, we're going back to the movies for the, the second blockbuster film of the, I guess you can call the summer, as far as Disney's releases go, and that being Pirates of the Caribbean, the fifth installment. This week, joining us for our Another spoiler full review is going to be Jessica. Hi, everybody. Milford. Hello. Adrian is just getting back from her trip that she had with her family, so she's catching up. And uh, Melanie just doesn't want to talk to me anymore after last week with Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> and Crystal had not seen any of these movies, so we will chat with her next week. She was going to talk to us about some experiences she's had at, at the park past couple times she's been there so we're definitely looking forward to that uh, and also after we're done with uh, speaking about pirates jessica did go and see the new wonder woman movie which i've heard good things about but i have not seen so she's going to give us a little spoiler free review of that since that is pretty much brand new uh, and i will definitely get this episode out on time this week so <laughs> it'll be relevant <laughs> so with that uh before we get into the movie a little bit i just gonna I guess Milford and I will just give our overall, I guess, rating of it. I mean, I thought it was... I, I went into it with super high expectations, I think, just because of the commercials. And, I mean, as anybody knows who follows me on social media and from this podcast, knows how much of a fan I am of, of the whole franchise and, and all of the movies. I was... As I was watching it, I was not as impressed with it as I was while I was watching Guardians. I didn't feel like I had as much fun watching it. Uh, but then I... Th like, afterwards, when I started my wife and I talking about it, and then speaking with other people about it, I came to realize I think I was just being too hard on it for what it was. I think I was expecting... I don't know what I was expecting, but I think I was thinking about it too much while I was watching it. And I didn't enjoy it, and I was trying to figure it all out and and see what was going where and which storylines were ending which ones were beginning where tie-ins were and that's not usually my thought process when i go to see a movie in a theater as i spoke about in the guardians episode last week i kind of just like to go and have fun and enjoy the movie for the fact of watching something that's entertaining me and then when i get home and you get the dvd and you're watching without a bunch of other people and you know you don't have not that you have distractions in a theater but you can just you know, sit and watch it on your TV, pause it, or or skip back or something for something you thought you saw or missed. That's usually when I kind of think on it and stew on it, and then you know try to figure out. Oh, wait a minute, this was this is a pull from the second movie. This is this was this storyline that I forgot about. Or oh wow, this is. So I found myself trying to do that as this new movie, as the movie was playing in the theater, and I found myself not enjoying it as much, or saying to myself, "What does this part have to do with anything? This is they're dragging us out for no reason." Well, I know it's still supposed to be, I guess, an action movie. And I'm not going to play comparison game between Pirates and Guardians because they're two opposite ends of the spectrum. As you know, one's a space, a space movie. You know, that's basically a comedy, and and the other, I mean, Pirates is a comedy of of sorts too. And there were some great comedic moments and lines in this movie, like all the previous four. But I felt like Guardians was like nonstop action. You're on the edge of your seat though, from beginning to end. And this one that did have those scenes, those huge scenes that 
all the Pirates movies do have, but I felt there was a lot of lull moments that I get it. It kind of builds up and it's, but I don't know. It was odd. So I, I really, I probably won't pay and go see it again in the theater, but I can't wait to get it uh, home and, and watch it again and really enjoy it and then sit on it again and, you know, let it kind of roll around in my brain, I guess. <laughs> I don't I don't know, Milford. Did that make any sense? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I guess, you know, I was disappointed in the fact that, I, I mean, don't get me wrong, I loved the movie. I thought it was great. I was disappointed in the fact that I went to see it opening weekend, and I like when I go to see a blockbuster like this, and it's opening weekend, I like a full theater. I was in the IMAX theater here in Noblesville, Indiana, that seats about 1,000 people, and there were only 200 people there for a Thursday night, 7 o'clock showing on Memorial Weekend. Wow. Which really shocked me. Yeah, uh, that's weird. Because every Pirates of the Caribbean movie I've been to, I went to on opening weekend, and it was packed. Yeah, the but other... this one wasn't. I don't know if we just fell in a bad year, if people just didn't feel like going to the movies. I don't know. You know, and then, and then the other part of it is, is I was hoping for a lot more action. I don't know if people realize this movie started pre-production before On Stranger Tides was released in the theaters. Yes. I so do. I expected a lot more action in this movie, and and it and just, I mean, it had the about the normal amount of action of, of any of the Pirates movies, but I, I think I just expected more. I don't know. I did like the fact that we went back, you know, we, we covered space from two years past. Yeah. At World's End. <laughs> At World's End. Thank you. You know, where, the you know, Orlando Bloom's character, Will, is coming back to the island to see his kids. And the kid's like 12 years old. And then we fast forward to five years past on Stranger Tides. And that same boy is serving on a British ship so he can go try and get into the ocean to see his dad. And it's kind of kind of weird how he does that, but basically ties himself to a rock and sinks himself in the ocean for his dad to come see him. His dad comes and lifts him up out of the water. And what in the world are you doing, kid? You know, it, it, I liked the movie. I thought it was good. Yeah, definitely. I don't, I don't want to come across as, like, snubbing it and saying it was I mean it wasn't a terrible and that's the thing I was in a chat with other people about pirates movies and and most people just dismiss all dismiss the two three and and fourth ones and 98% of the people I know friends of mine either social media or, or people I know personally where I live think the fourth one is the worst movie ever and I don't understand that I, I think people couldn't grasp the concept that it was yes it was the fourth installment of the film but it was not a continuation of the third one it had nothing to do with at world's end and i think that people were lost because orlando bloom and kira knightley were not in it and that's fine they had no business being in it they were not these stories never it wasn't about them the fourth one wasn't about any of them no and it never had anything to their storylines were wrapped up they were done i mean they brought them back for this film and it really just put a knot on the end of it so you think if you stayed through the end of the credits, but you know, I don't know. She's, she was never my favorite character in the film either. I liked her performance. I think in the third one, the best because she turned into more of a badass. She took more of a commanding role. She wasn't just a, 
mm-hmm. you know, wimpy. I mean, not that she was a, a wimpy girl throughout any of them anyway. In the first one, she, she stood up to Barbosa and she was, you know, went along with Will and wasn't shy with, with fighting anything. But it was just, uh, yeah, I just get annoyed when people just dismiss the other films because, yes, the first one is the strongest one. It usually always is in any franchise. But I, I don't think there's a huge fall off between one, two, and three. I honestly don't. And out of those first three, the second one is the one that would be, if I had to say I liked the least, would be the one that I liked the least. I mean, I liked Davy Jones, and I liked that whole thing, but there were scenes in that that just were drawn out that really didn't, like the whole thing with Tia Dama and in the jail cell with the heart, and, you know, I guess they were just building on that plot line that they were the lovers together, and he's she's the one he cut the heart out for, and everybody knows that whole thing. But it seemed like that that was dragged out more than it needed to, to be. And then the third one, which was the longest one, it was close to three hours. When I had that, got that on DVD, I watched that one constantly. And I thought that one is just as strong as the first one. If not, it's not better. I won't say that because I'll get crucified by somebody, <laughs> probably. But in all honesty, I thought that that one was just as strong as the first one. And, you know, I'll stand by that. I mean, just... I don't know. I don't understand why people dislike that one so much. There's a million things going on. It wraps up a lot of storylines, brings a little bit of, not much of Jack's past, but a touch of it with Keith Richards in there. And I mean, it, like I was talking about with Guardians, it borders, it borders absurdity and and just lunacy. It's that fine line. Like that whole movie is just ridiculous. Between going to yeah. Davy Jones' locker, coming back from the other world, flash of green. You know the pirates, the pirates' court with all the different pieces of eight with different pirate captains. I mean, it's just absurd. It's ridiculous that that. But that's what makes it fun. I don't know. I don't know if people take try to take it too seriously or try to read into it too much. I, I don't know why, why there was no. And the fourth one, I don't understand why nobody got why people hated that movie. I thought that movie was great, and I can't stand Penelope Cruz. I don't like her as an actress, but I thought she did a decent job at, at her role. And the banter between her, yeah. the banter between her and 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 Sparrow was fantastic. The dialogues were great. I was more annoyed that the Blackbeard character was uh, killed off in that one episode because I thought he was fantastic. Thought he was fantastic, but anyway, we're, yeah. we're trying to review the new. Well, one I think the <laughs> I think the critic I think the critics kind of doomed this one from the start. I mean, it's only got a twenty nine on Rotten Tomatoes. Really, even through this weekend. But, but the movie did ten point eight million dollars yeah. this weekend. Oh, I know it's it's been strong in the box office. If that's anything to, you know, I don't know what they go by it's anymore. Steady. I mean, right. I'm let see if I can find what it did opening weekend. I can't find that. But so you know, I mean, the movie itself, it the plot was. I liked the plot. I liked the new the new characters. Uh, there were some intriguing new characters. I think the. Henry Turner, which is Will and Elizabeth's son, he was okay. He was probably the weakest one of the new ones. The girl who was Karina, I think, was my favorite new character. I liked her a lot. Uh, I, don't, mm-hmm. I don't know what drew me to her. I liked her from when she first came on the screen because she was a real go-getter and she seemed to know exactly what she wanted and, and how she needed to go about getting it. She had kind of like, not that Jack Sparrow-esque type uh attitude towards it but she seemed to to be doing 
do whatever she needed to do, I guess, within reason, to uh, to get that book and find the the map that no man can read. And then the other character that didn't have much scream time at all, but I was really interested in, and I hope they have something else with her was that witch that they had in the basement, or that they kept in the that the British had in the jail cell. I mean, oh, she, yeah. she was really weird. But I was like, where the hell are they coming up with this from? Like, who just has a a witch in the in their I mean, I know they hung witches and stuff at that time, which is what they thought Karina was. But, I mean, this witch was a real deal witch, and they weren't hanging her. They, like, were keeping her for information and trying to find out. You know, and then Barbosa goes to her and, and knows her somehow, and there was a tie-in about... I forget how, what he had said or what she had said to him, but, like, there was some sort of past with them, either raising the pearl up, but that, I feel like, was what Tia Dama had done for him back in the mm-hmm. third one so I, I don't remember what it what she had said to him but there was something that that hinted towards that there was a history between the two of them yeah so you know and finding the the trident was I thought it was kind of fitting because it does kind of tie in to like Milford was saying towards the end of at world's end like she said where you know the, the end scene at the end of that is Elizabeth and the boy standing on land because being the captain of the Dutchman, it's on land once every 10 years. So he was coming back to see his boy probably for the first time, and he was 10 years old. So, and then in this film, I guess, you know, at the beginning when they show the young boy and he's finding the coordinates where the Flying Dutchman's going to be because he knows if he drops down, then the, the ship will surface, you know, and he's got this cockamamie idea that he's going to break the curse by finding the trident. And, you know, and then the trident also pulls, which I got to, that's why I want to watch it again as well because... In on Stranger Tides, the sword that Blackbeard has, the reason he mm-hmm. can control the sea with it is, is because he has one of the gems or jewels, whatever they called it, from from the trident of Poseidon. Right. So, you know, there, there's a tie-in right there. I don't know how many people paid remember that or paid attention to that, but that's how he could, was able to control his ship and control the the tides and and such in that film to persuade the mermaids and everything else that he would do with his sword. And now uh, Barbosa has that sword because he had killed Blackbird and uh, Blackbird, Blackbeard <laughs> in at the end of Stranger <laughs> Tides. So, and I didn't pay attention if, if one of the gems was missing when they showed the trident. Uh, I, I want to say at first glance, it didn't. It looked like it had three in there. Yeah, it was kind of hard to tell. But it was kind of hard to tell. So I'm interested in see if they have any bonus features and any backstory like on the DVD about stuff like that. But So it, it was nice that there wasn't too many intertwining and a million storylines in this one. It kind of stuck to just the one, you know, they were trying to... And it, it all happens very fast. Like the, the opening scene is ridiculous. It's just as ridiculous as the opening of pretty much Stranger Tides. It's, it's very similar. You know, right. jumping through London Town, but instead of just Jack jumping off and everything, it's they're dragging a whole bank with them. Which is when I first saw it, I was like, "Are you kidding me? This is stupid." And then as it kept going longer, and the scene went longer, and he's jumping over more silly obstacles, and you know, at the beginning of the whole thing, he's you know, the mayor's wife is <laughs> is in the is in the safe with him. In the safe with him. Yeah, yeah, obviously from the night before. So, you know, the comedic element is still there. You know, I was glad to see that Kevin McNally, who plays uh, Gibbs, was in it again because I really like him as a character. It was nice to see they they brought uh, Marty back, the, the little guy from the first three films. So that was cool that they had him. Right. 
uh, scroll. I was disappointed not to see the two yes Ian pirates that we're used to being in all four movies. You know, I would have liked the guy with the wooden eye. I would have liked uh, to see Pintel and Rigetti instead of yeah. Mul- Murtog and Mulroy, the two idiots who were the British soldiers who, at the end of the third one, yeah. decided to be pirates. All they did yeah. was stick gray hair on those dudes and you know fattened them up. And they were, I mean, they were funny. They had their purpose in, like, the first film because they were to argue back and forth, and that's how Jack would got away or whatever. And But their stick kind of got old, and I, I don't know why they dragged them back for this one because they really, it was okay. But I would have, like you said, I would have rather saw more of the original crew from the first three. You know, Cotton, the guy with, who didn't talk with the parrot. I mean, if they brought one of them back, yeah. they could bring a couple more. And then the only yeah. character that carried over from Stranger Tides was Scrum, who was um, the one that went with Angelica to like to find Jack and at in London. So he was the only pull from Stranger Tides, character-wise. So we we were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but what is the timeline of this movie? It's between At World's End and Stranger Tides? It's after Stranger... Most of it is after Stranger Tides. The beginning scene, like Milford was talking about, they show Will Turner's... They show the boy, Henry, but he's young, right. he's younger than what he is in the rest of the and film. And he's serving on a Royal Navy yeah, ship. Yeah, he's on like a Royal Navy ship, but then... But even before that, when he raises the Dutchman up, he's like a young boy. He's it's maybe right after, like Milford said, it's probably I think it's two years after the end of At World's End. So he's twelve years old. He goes to find his father. He raises the Dutchman, and then tells him he can find this curse. And then it fasts forward maybe ten years because now he's a middle aged. Uh, it's actually or five years. Five years. Five years after on Stranger Tides. Okay. Okay. So nine years later from that 12 year old moment. Right. So he's about 20, which makes sense. And he's serving on a, on a British Royal Navy ship, which he gets pretty much thrown off of or locked in jail for treason because he wants to alter course because they're trying to go into the devil's triangle, I believe, or sail through the devil's triangle. And he's telling them because he studied all the myths and all the legends of the seas and trying to find his father and break curses. So he's, well versed in all this stuff and he's trying to tell the ship not to go that way and because of the ghost ship in there which is Salazar's ship and then that's when you right. like when you saw in the trailer with when he comes on board and he's talking to him and he's you know when you when you see Jack Sparrow can you tell him I'm looking for him you know please can you tell him you know so I mean and that goes to the title of the movie because right he always leaves one person behind to tell Tell the, the tale. tale. So right. dead men tell no tales. Right. He leaves one person behind to tell or to go right. find who he's looking for. Right. So, and as they were showing in the trailer, so this Salazar guy was somebody who, they go in a little more depth in the movie. So I guess basically pirate, I mean, in this franchise, they drag out the rule of pirates by way longer than it was in actual, yeah. <laughs> in actual history of, of the world. You know, where it was maybe, it wasn't even a, a generation, I don't think, within, you know, I don't know the timeline exactly, which I probably should, but. So in this movie, they make it seem like it's generations and generations, because Salazar says that pirates killed his grandfather, they killed his father. So his mission was, when he became a captain, was to rid the world of all the pirates of all the seas. And that's what he would do. He would he would find pirate ships, and he was basically like the Dutchman. He would just sink ships 
uh, and just, you know, kill all the pirates. So, you know, he came across the one that I... And I have to look up. I think the captain of the ship that Jack was on when he was a young boy was Captain Morgan, I believe. That's who that was supposed to be. I believe that's correct. And he was the original keeper of the compass that Jack has had since the beginning. And his words to Jack were, because he got shot or whatever happened, he's dying on the deck, and he says, the ship is yours now, Jack. He said, here's the compass. He said, never betray the compass, never... I think that's all he says, never betray the compass. It'll lead you to what you want most, or something like that. So you should... So then they show him, open it, and the thing points to... right to Salazar. So, meaning that he wants to get him or kill him or whatever it is and wants to rid the world of him because he's killing all the pirates and this kid who played Jack Sparrow now I know they probably used a ton of makeup on him but he was like a great not a spitting image of a young Johnny Depp but his his performance in that whatever it was six or seven minutes of the movie was fantastic his voice either he took voice lessons or they dubbed Johnny Depp's voice at a little bit lower octave in there because his mannerisms and how he spoke were pretty goddamn spot on so they had the scene where he chases Salazar's ship, chases the ship that Sparrow's on, which if you look in the back of it, and it's a pull from another backstory, it's called the Wicked Wench, which is, I think, even though he was Captain Morgan and they might have been pirates, they were actually freeing slaves. And that's what the ship was doing when Jack first took uh, command of it right it, they were ferrying slaves and or he was trying to they were trying to free the slaves because what pirates would often do and this ran, ran true in in world history too pirates didn't want to you know they, they had nothing to do with slavery so if if they did come across a ship that had slaves in it they would always offer them position on their crew before they would either kill them or leave them in the water and most of them would probably join the crew a lot of that happened in that uh, series that was on stars, black sails. There was a lot of that going on there where they'd find ships with slaves and slaves would join the crew or they would right. just leave them on the ship to, to die or get caught by the uh, Royal Navy or whatever. So that kind of plays into the whole thing when where Cutler Beckett came into line and and sunk the ship or uh, or branded Jack a pirate because they thought, you know, he was he wasn't supposed to free the sa- slaves, he was supposed to bring them and and that whole backstory. So you get a little bit more of the origin of that. So he leads Salazar into towards the Devil's Triangle. And he pulls a Jack Sparrow move where he wraps the anchor around a rock and and his sh- and the wicked wench like almost pulls a U-turn and then stays at safety while the Salazar's ship which I name escapes me of what it was goes into the devil's triangle and you see it burst into flames and all the crew members die somehow or become undead uh, or ghosts I guess yeah it was something with that island that they sailed into that was kind of like a cavern right so and that's how they took the form that they took the form and then the ship took the form too and it's you know the ship that can eat other ships which that was a pretty badass effect where when they when that thing would rise up and like the hull would open up like it's a giant set of jaws and it would just, you know, swallow a whole ship more or less and then the thing would just, you know, explode or whatever. And I think the effects were pretty cool. I know it's Ghost Pirates. It's kind of been done before with the first film and Davy Jones's guys were all essentially, well, they were cursed. They, were, they weren't uh, undead. They were cursed and had, you know, all the 
different marine life parts all over them. These ones, the effects for these people were cool because there was like one guy who was like basically just like a hand and a foot. There was guys that were missing half their face. But the way that the yeah. the way that the effects were done were really really well. Like it didn't look cheesy. Like Salazar, he was well. The character was he was okay, but him as like how they had him physically was pretty cool. Like the floating face, his hair was always floating. So it's kind of like. However, they entered that cave and whatever position they were in when the when the ship exploded and they were cursed or dead, it's kind of how they stayed when they were coming back into the regular world to kill everything. So after those scenes, and there was a lot of... And then, you know, with the girl, and she had this book that she... Her father had given to her that had maps in it, and it was... I forgot to deal with what the deal was with the ruby on the front. It, is that what kind of led them towards the towards the island? Right. The map got them to the island. The ruby had to be replaced on the stone. That's right. That's right. That's right. To complete the right the sequence to open up the, whatever it was to get to the trident. The trench. The trench. Like yeah. the sea split, like Moses, and it was like a perfect, and it was like a walkway to get to where the trench. Right. 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 That's right. And then, yeah, and then this book, and she would talk about when she was, you know, and at this point, I think about Barbosa had figured out that this was, so here's a, here's another, here's a spoiler. So as we said in the beginning, if, if you haven't seen it, then, you know, come back to this episode after you watched it. So as Barbosa's listening to this girl talk and about her father and where he'd been and, and all the things he had written in this book and the map and it's and, and it kept saying the map that no man can read and that was kind of like a running joke she's like well i'm a woman so i'm gonna be able to read it i'm gonna figure it out you know and she would make fun of jack and his crew or how stupid they were and uneducated and that they would never be able to read it anyway if they stole it from her and you know she was their only chance of finding all this and i guess the tie into jack with all this is the only way to save jack sparrow from salazar coming to get him from death coming to get him is to uncurse everything that's been cursed, which is finding the trident. And that's the same reason Henry wants to find it because it'll uncurse and it'll lift the curse of Will being bound to the Dutchman, which Will does not believe will actually happen the the one or two times that they show him in the movie uh, before the right. before the you know grand finale at the end. So Will is skeptical of that that. Number one, that he'll find it, and number two, that it does, that it's actually, you know, that the legend says it'll do. So, and then Karina wants to f find it, I believe, just for the sake of finding it. I don't know that she had other reasoning other than just wanting to be able to read the map and find and be able to prove it because she keeps saying she's, a, you know, she's a scientist and a, an astronomer, and that confuses all the pirates that certain times too because they don't even know what the hell either one of those things are <laughs> so i mean there's some good back and forth there's some good good comedic dialogue here and there and, and most of it is the stuff that they had shown in the trailer when they're on the boat the three of them uh rowing away and she's the ghost sharks are out there and trying to eat them and and karina's uh taking her dress off because she wants to swim towards the shore and henry's trying to be the you know noble one he's like no don't do that you're gonna get hurt or whatever and jack is telling him to shut up because he wants to see her take her take her clothes off and and you know he says 
what does he say? <laughs> Henry says, I think I saw her ankle. And, you know, Jack's like, you would have saw mm, a yeah. lot more. You would have kept your cake, pie hole cake, shut. Yeah, your pie cake hole, hole, cake shut. hole shut. You know, which is, I mean, it's not Zucker Brothers comedy, but it's... It's it's pretty it's, funny. It's good enough for the for the stuff that they've had over the course of this these films. It's right on par with all of that. You know, they're not going to get anything too vulgar or, or or profane just because they know that it's a PG thirteen movie anyway. And it's just that's not what they're go- that's not the image they're going for, even though they are pirates. So at this point, at some point also, Jack starts to realize who this girl is too. So there's a scene where I think Jack is tied to the mast and he's talking to Barbosa and they're having their normal conversation where they're kind of mm-hmm. speaking in quips and ifs, ands, or buts. And Jack's like, you need me to help this or, you know, kind of like I'll tell her who you, who you are or something like that if you don't, you know, let me go or something like that. And Barbosa didn't want her to know because he didn't want her to change her mind of who she thought her father really was. Like if he, if she knew that, he was this, you know, awful pirate or whatever. Maybe she would, you know, all her, whatever she had in her mind, what he was would all be gone. So he didn't want to ruin that until, I guess, the time was right. I don't think there's any other... I mean, the British end up chasing them, and they're they're hot on their tails at one point because they want the trident because they want the colonies to control the sea. So whoever the main British guy is this time, he's... He wasn't as good as Norrington was when he was the British captain, and even again in the third film when he was reinstated at his position by Beckett. Uh, you know, Norrington was a good character, even though he got killed off, and he was, you know, kind of a upstanding good guy. I mean, he was he was funny in the second one when he was a pirate, and he was on the Jack's crew, and that whole scene with the three of them in the wagon wheel, trying to f- get the key to the chest. So, yeah, this guy was a little more Cutler Beckett like. So he's kind of an ass, you know, real serious and real pompous, I thought. You know, perfect for the role they wanted him to play, but I, I you know, I didn't care for him. So they were always on, on the heels of, of the pirates. So they find... They line up the stars, and the stars that are on the front cover of this book is what they're looking for, the constellation and the order of the stars. And it's pointing to... An, an island that they, I guess they realize is in this area that's been uncharted, more or less. And so they find the island by the stars, that how they're lined up. And then, like Milford said, there was a ruby that was stuck to the, to the front of the book. And this ruby or gem uh, had to be placed in, there was like an outcropping of just that particular red stone. So once she put it in there... It kind of started a process. You know, the whole land was kind of glowing. It was like kind of bioluminescent-like-ish. And then the sea started to open up, and it was like this chasm opens up. And then however many thousands of feet below, you see the sea floor, and it led a path right to where the trident was. So the three of them... Barbosa stays up in this ship. So Jack... I guess Henry and Karina, all three go down. And by this time, Salazar gets there with his crew. And everybody's fighting for the the trident. There's a lot of back and forth. And eventually, Salazar gets it. And he goes to try to kill Jack with it. But Jack had the book in his, like, pocket on his breast. 
So the thing stabs the book and doesn't kill Jack, but it knocks him down or out or whatever. So he's going after the girl, and she's trying to get it, and then Henry's trying to get it. I forget what happens, because it gets... They end up breaking it, but I do, how'd they do it? Did she just smash it on the rock or something? Or did he, did Will, did uh, Will's son? I think Henry grabbed it and smashed it on the rock. That's right. So he grabs it and smashes it. And by this time, the British are getting close. So he smashes it. And then you see like this big wave of, you know, whatever, go, go through the place. And, and then the curse starts to lift on all Salazar yeah. and all his men. So then Salazar becomes human again. And so then he just wants to kill the pirates. So he starts going after Jack and everybody else, and there's sword fighting and jumping back and forth. Before that, they jump. There's a whole big scene where they're jumping back and forth on the on the ship between the cannons, and that was pretty cool. And there was like some weird beasts that were flying in the air. I don't know what the hell that was all about. It was like like some sort of dragon that was flying. Did you see catch that, Milford? I don't know what the hell that was all about. I must have missed that piece. It was before they went down in the water, I believe. And oh, before they went after the trident. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was the, when the two ships were right next to each other, like you know, guns, right. guns, guns, and there was that. Jack was jumping between all the barrels, and then Salazar was chasing him. And at one point, like Jack's yes. looking up, and like this dragon-like beast like flies out of the water. I was like, what, what the hell? You know, I did the 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 Jack sideways, you know, one eye partly shut. Look at the screen. I was like, what the hell? What the hell did that have to do with anything? No clue. It's just one of those things they threw in there. I don't know. Uh, so I'm trying to think. There's any. There's no any other major plot points until at this point. So at this point, still. So the anchor of the pearl is. Oh Jesus! That's the whole other freaking thing. The pearl. So the black pearl's still in a bottle. That happens before all of this. Black pearl is still in a bottle. And when they are, when they are on the island, I, I, I'm sorry, I can't remember this better than it was a couple of weeks ago when we saw this. And so the Black Pearl's in a bottle and they're on, I don't know if they're on the island before the chasm opens and they need to get there because the ship that they had was, got destroyed, which was this little piece of crap that Jack had built on, on shore. The, uh, what was it called? The Sad Guppy or the, the... The, the dying gull, the dying gull. That was dying gull. that was the name of the ship he built. A little little ship, like quarter, it's like a life raft. <laughs> so, so the black pearl's in a bottle, and they're trying to figure out how he's going to get it out of the bottle. His Jack's just staring at it in his hand. He looks like he's a lost puppy. And Blackbeard takes it, and uh... oh no, it's still in his pocket. He's got the bottle in his pocket of his jacket or whatever and you see, and I don't remember the exchange but then all of a sudden Blackbeard takes his takes the sword and stabs the Blackbeard's sword and and you think he's going to stab Jack but he pokes a hole in the bottle right so then the ship pops out of the bottle and it, you see it bouncing around on the ground and it's kind of like silly and stupid looking it's you know not, I, I'm sure they tried to make it ridiculous you know and it and it starts to grow, but the way they film it, it looks like it's growing bigger, 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 and then the camera pans out, and it's only like maybe three feet long, and it's still yeah, three feet and it's long. still sitting on the coral. So Jack picks it up, and he's looking at it funny, and he's like, you know, I don't forget what he says. Something like, oh, it needs to be a little bigger, and Barbosa aggravated as usual because he knows what to do and knows what's going on. Like pushes Jack away and grabs, and he's like, she needs the sea, and he throws it into the sea, and then the the ship 
grow, grows. grows. It's, it's like one of those. It's like one of those sea monkeys, those sponge things you put in a thing. Yeah. So I'll admit, got a little choked up at that part. Black Pearl's back because the, the look on Jack's face and then the look on Barbosa's face. They're both. They weren't standing near each other when it happened, but you can just. I could feel, even though it was a movie. I could feel through the screen like how happy they were that this ship that they both loved and have fought for and both basically died for and come back to life for is is whole again and and saleable on the on, on the ocean. So they all board the Pearl and then everything we just talked about 10 minutes ago started to happen. <laughs> so the anchor of the Pearl is down there when Salazar and everybody turns um, and all Salazar's men start turn human again. So they're all fighting. They're trying to kill sparrow and and the girl and and uh turner and at this point and gibbs is down there too i believe so they're trying to climb everybody's then trying to climb up the chain of the anchor because the the ship is holding on the edge of the chasm and it's trying not to pull the ship in but the chasm is also starting to close now because the triton is broken and everything's in turmoil as that's happening there's a whole bunch of other fighting going on and salazar gets up and he's trying to get uh, I think he grabs Karina by the ankle or something and like pulls her down so she's hanging and Jack is so at this point Barbosa's looking over and he realizes what's going on so he jumps down and they kind of have a moment where they I don't know if he says that he's her father but there is some sort of an exchange of words or looks and she kind of figures it out Mm-hmm. And he takes, uh, I believe, Jack's sword or Henry's sword and jumps off the chain and then stabs Salazar on the way down and basically sacrifices himself so his daughter could live and, and the rest of them can. Jack's up on the boat the whole time. He's not even down there because he's watching right. He's watching this whole thing happen. That's right. Jack's up on the boat. So it was just those three that went down. Um, at this point, somehow Jack got back up there before everybody else. So he's watching this happen. So you see Barbosa fall into the sea, and he doesn't fall like all carry. Like his his arms are wide open, his his legs are spread apart, and he's just falling back first, like he's embracing what he's doing, which obviously he is because he's sacrificing himself for the greater good, being his daughter and the pearl and anything else that he's fought for for however many years mm-hmm. of being a pirate. So that sucked because Barbosa, after Jack, was my favorite character in these series as I spoke about in the other episode. So, you know, sad to see. I got it. I understand this being probably the final one, even though it didn't seem that way if you stayed till the end of the credits. But I get it how his storyline could end. And uh, Karina, whose name they, in the, throughout the movie was Karina Smith, I believe. Uh, at the end, when they get back to port, she refers to herself now as Karina Barbosa. Which is pretty cool. Right. So the ending, you know, that, so that sucks. So they do like a, uh, up on the deck of the ship, you know, Jack says something, you know, pirate's life to the end, takes his hat off. Oh, they show how Jack got his hat too. In that. Yeah, they showed that while they were on, while he was on the. Uh, and I'm seriously jumping out of order here. On the other ship. Yeah, seriously jumping out of order here, folks. From his so, youth. So try. Sorry, yeah. sorry if this is confusing. If you've seen the movie, you'll get all the points. But if if you haven't and you're listening to this, then I apologize in advance for my all over the placeness. Yeah, okay. and I don't remember where he got the hat from. Did somebody hand it to him? Was it? It was after the. 
It was after the uh, Salazar ship went into the triangle. Right. And somebody handed it to him. So was it I don't know if it was yes. the I don't know if it was the other captain who's died who died's hat. It was the other captain okay. that I'm, died, but I don't think it was his hat. Okay. I don't remember. That was a little fuzzy. Yeah. Yeah, that one was I'll have to look that up again and watch that again. But that's how he got this his iconic hat that he's had throughout the whole series. Right. Um and then the compass obviously. Right. He gives the compass away towards the beginning. I mean, there's some there's some funny storylines in between that that don't have much impact on the movie like after Well, that's what triggered the whole thing. Right. That's what triggered That's right. the Salazar finding him and releasing him from that that cavern was he traded the compass for a drink in the bar. That's right. And then either Karina ended up with it or the witch ended up having it. I forgot what happened after that. Yeah, but 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 prior to that, the reason he was doing that was after the whole ridiculous bank scene that had this giant vault full of gold, as the thing is bouncing through the street, all the golds and riches is falling out. So that by the time they get it back to their ship, the dying gull with this tiny piece of crap on the sand, this the safe is completely empty except for one like shilling in there. So Gibbs, Marty, Scrum, and there was a couple other guys that were on his crew had had enough at that point and they said that they were leaving they'd had enough of jack sparrow he's the worst captain and we're not sailing with you anymore and even gibbs turns his back on him and says i'm sorry he said but i can't you know enough is enough type thing so jack's down on his you know first time you kind of see him he's down on his luck he's bummed out so he walks into this bar and he had nothing to buy a drink with so you do the whole they show the whole thing where he's back and forth with the compass and he puts the compass on the bar to trade it for the bottle of rum and then you see kind of like a rift in time type deal like it did like when they when they would call the kraken like you see like a wave go across the whole ocean right like wakes all the beings and beasts up and like milford said that's what triggered the whole that cavern starts falling apart and the ship now sails out right that's right salazar's ship is released from the triangle and he's free to do whatever the hell he wants and which is come for jack sparrow and i don't remember how he gets it back i think karina ended up getting it or barbosa gets it from the witch that's right that's why he goes and sees the witch because he gets the compass from her because some, right. somehow she got her hands on it from the barkeep or whatever the hell happened in that scene so there's some silly stuff in between that are you know series of events but are not I guess super critical well I guess the compass part is but yeah and he ends up getting the compass back again after all is said and done and they're sailing away on the pearl and then so Henry gets back to the they bring him back to the island where they show a scene where Will loses all his you know he's starting to look like his father like bootstrap was with the barnacles on his face and everything else because he's becoming part of the crew part of the ship so all that stuff is now gone from him and he looks just like Will Turner again and they don't show any of the other crew that the the Dutchman rises up and it's not all you know yeah, I guess that'd be the other question. Where was his dad? Because his dad was still on the ship, right? That All those people were still on that ship. Yeah, they all should have been... I guess they didn't want to drag that back out again. I don't know. I guess they didn't feel the need yeah. need to. But So they show him going to the island and meeting Henry, and they hug and uh, have a few words, and then they look over the hill, and here comes Elizabeth. Out of the beautiful sunset, you know, she comes running across, and they run across and hug and... I don't think there's many words spoken there. 
No, that's happy families back together. <laughs> that's pretty much where it ends. Yeah, they show Jack on the ship one more time, and the line he says is, "I have one more date with the Horizon" or something along that effect. So you're like, okay, that you can't leave a movie ending like that because that's how all of them have ended it, with some sort of line like that. You know, bring me the Horizon or you know, whatever. And he either has a map or something else in his hand. So this time he's looking at the compass again, and it points to a direction or whatever, and he's got the pearl back, and the crew is back. I believe Karina stays with him? I don't... No, I don't think so. I think they all end up back in London. Or she does, I believe. And so then it cuts to the Will and Elizabeth scene. And so then the final scene after credits and stuff is Will and Elizabeth are sleeping in their room, house, castle, wherever they are, and he has a vision of Davy Jones. He gets a shadow. It's like a shadow, and he kind of wakes up, and we're, and you know, in the theater, like, holy crap, Davy Jones is back. You know, it's like, it looks like it's, you know, whatever's happening, like Davy Jones is coming after Will because he's the one who stabbed the heart, and, I mean, you always assume that he died because he fell into the maelstrom at the end after the heart was stabbed, and you know, he went back to Calypso and went back, died at sea. But as we know, nobody's ever really dead in any of these movies. <laughs> yeah. And it ends up being that he's had a dream. He wakes up, you know, Elizabeth is... Well, he thinks he's had a nightmare. He thinks he's had a nightmare, right. You know, Elizabeth is sleeping next to him. She's not awake. But then as the camera pans out and, and the scene fades away, there's a pile of little barnacles and like that Davy Jones slime on the floor of their, yeah. of their room. So... Hey, I'd be stoked if they brought Davy Jones back because he was badass too. So, you know, wherever they're going with that, we'll see if it ever transpires. I mean, it took them... I'd be stoked if they went another path and Johnny Depp wasn't part of it. I'd be fine with that too because I said to Steph, my wife, when we were left the theater, my oldest son came with us to see it as well. In the beginning of the movie, I thought a lot of his lines and his stuff were terrible. Yeah. He was just like a drunken moron, which I get it. He was in the other films, but he had better lines and better mannerisms. Like this, it was just like... I mean, I get it. He was really down down and out. His crew left him. He didn't have a ship. He didn't know what the hell was going on. Now death is coming after him again. So I got it, but like he was like a blithering idiot. And, and it was kind of... I think that's what turned me off like the first hour or so. And then he finally... You know, there wasn't all the crazy Jack stunts and, and things he would do to get out of situations yeah. like throwing the rope over the sail shooting the cannon and then he goes flying from one ship to the other and it's you know and that was with even not even a drop of rum there wasn't any of that and it i yeah. missed that because you know <laughs> not that well and i think i think some of it's disney's realizing they've kind of milked that cow oh big time of of johnny depp in too many movies you know we've had him in Alice in Wonderland and Alice in Wonderland Looking Glass. Right. We had him in The Lone Ranger. Um, and he was basically this. We've had him in all these pirate movies. So, you know, are are people getting tired of seeing Johnny Depp? Well, I don't think they're tired of seeing Johnny Depp, but all those different movies is basically the same character. Tonto was, ba yeah. was basically Jack Sparrow with an Indian accent. Now... Yeah. I liked the Lone Ranger movie, and I thought it was really, really good. But I, li I thought it I liked that kind of movie, and I liked that kind of slapstick 
between I thought he was fantastic in that as Tonto and Army Hammers. I mean, I I really really liked the Lone Ranger movie. I thought it was really good. But you know what the hell do I know? I you know I think Blazing Saddles is a fantastic movie too. So, oh, uh, and I thought his part in both Alice in Wonderlands were was good. Too. I haven't seen the second one yet. Uh, the first one, but again, I liked it's, as well. His parts are pretty much all the same acting. You go I mean, all the way back to Edward Scissorhands, and it's a very similar type. And even when you look at Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, yes. Which was in you between know, some of the Pirates movies, the original three. Yeah. That role was pretty much done in the style of yeah. the same thing. Yeah. So. Which is fine. You just got to accept it for what it is. I mean, I, I it can hold true with a lot of actors. I just think because the parts that he's played are all some out there character. He never just plays like a regular straight right. character, like just like a you know male character. Either a, and oh my god, I just said Charlie and Chocolate Factory. I meant Willy Wonka. Willy Wonka, yeah. <laughs> That's all right. <laughs> so I'm mixing my books with my movies. <laughs> all in all, it was a good movie to me. I in in line with all the rest of them, I think it was a good movie. Like I said in the beginning, I, yeah. I got to watch it again, and I've seen the other ones so many times, and still enjoy them when I watch them, even though I can recite most of the lines and I know what's happening and I know what's coming, but. It's a new film for me to, to dive into and, and find everything that really ties a lot of stuff together and, and just, you know, get into it. And then and I'm sure I'll love it as much as I love the other four to be begin with. Because, like I said earlier, when I first saw the second and third ones, they weren't my favorite ones. And the third one I disliked a lot until I started watching it more on DVD. And then it became close to my favorite one. And as I said, I almost liked it more than the original Mm-hmm. Just because of all the stuff that was going on in it, and the, and the great dialogue, you know, and the same with On Stranger Tides, and I'll argue the point of On Stranger Tides with anybody, you know, I I just I don't understand the hate for that movie. I really really don't. I, I think it's just that people were confused that it didn't pick up where At World's End ended, and that Will and Elizabeth weren't in it, and that's a you problem, not a movie problem, because those storylines were wrapped up at the end of that movie. There was no reason to con- right. there was no reason to to have anything else with Will Turner on the Flying Dutchman. He knew what was going to happen. He was ferrying the dead to the other side. That's all he had to do. What the hell are you going to have him about it? And Elizabeth's character was eh, okay. She was she was voted the Pirate King on a weird uh, exchange, just so <laughs> so Jack can flimflam Beckett and and have the end game that him and Will were kind of in cahoots with. That's the stuff that this movie was missing was that with right. that craziness that you thought they're all against each other but somehow they all know what's going on and in the end they all partner together for one common goal that's it i figured it out that's what this movie is missing that's what this movie is missing yep. there wasn't any of that deep character other than barbosa and jack because they're obviously the two and and gibbs who have been together the longest but the storyline was missing that whole aspect where there was backs and forts and stabbing each other in the back and and doing crazy nonsense to, to, to get ahead of each other, but then in the end, still coming together with the same plan without discussing it and it being done. Because yep. that was the whole friggin' thing of the third one, of At World's End. When they trade each other on the beach towards the end during that scene, and... You know, and Will and Elizabeth is like, does Jack know what he's doing? And you're like, I think so, I don't know. 
and then it's like they all come together at the, it's you know that's what made those movies good that's what made them so great because if you weren't paying attention you were like what the hell is going on here how is this all happening how is it all related and how the hell did it all come together and work out in the end besides the fact that it's a movie and it's a fantasy so you know yep I don't know Jessica did any of that make any sense to you <laughs> it did I will admit to pulling up the Wikipedia page and reading it as you were talking to figure out what I, happened in what order I wish but... I know that's, that's bad everybody's gonna kill me on this episode for doing that and I, I'm gonna no, listen back okay. and edit when I edit this and, and just shake my head and palm to the face many times <laughs> well good I'm glad you got the synopsis of it and I hope people do go and see it I really do because it's yeah. a film worth watching in the theater I, I didn't see it in IMAX but we went we went and saw it in 3D and it's not 3D like Muppet Vision 3D or Captain Neo 3D which, you know, it, it's 3D where, like, when you're in the forest scenes or you're in the ocean scene, it feels like you're not looking at it on a flat screen. You can, you know, the ocean, there's... It's 3D. I can't explain it any better than that. Because I remember watching Stranger Tides in 3D. I saw that movie three times in the theater, I think, because how much I liked it, with three different people, my wife and a friend and somebody else. And the 3D one was amazing, because when they're in the forest scene and they're looking for the Fountain of Youth, like the leaves and just the trees, the way it was shot... The cinematography for the Fountain of Youth, and it was just—it was gorgeous. And this film was like that too. And the, and the, they didn't have too many scenes that were that way, but like the whole ocean, the trench scene where they're down in the chasm, that looked really, really cool in 3D. When they were on the island and things like that, some of the fighting scenes, but there wasn't a hell of a lot of that. You know, the the scenes with Salazar and his crew—that was really cool in 3D because it enhanced what those creatures and those beings were on that ship. So definitely definitely worth it if, if you have a chance to catch it in the theaters before it goes you know especially if you're a fan of the franchise i mean you owe it to yourself to see it and make your own opinion of it don't listen to the critics i didn't with any of the other ones after the first because i don't know i don't listen to the critics for anything anyway because i have a different style than than what everybody else is supposed to like in in hollywood so you know i i choose my own movies that i like to watch and <laughs> it's usually not the ones that everybody else likes to see Right. I recommend it. I highly recommend it. If you've liked the other movies and have enjoyed all of the other movies in this series, you owe it yourself to go and see it. It's right on par with the other ones. Is it as strong as the first or second or third if you want to throw that one in there? No. It's not. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's kind of hard to make. You can even... The Star Wars movies. Throw them as an example. They're not all strong. I mean, people right. will, people will want to kill you if you tell them that. That those original three were the best things ever created if you watch them they're really not for the time they might have been but if you watch them now they hold up because of what they are but you can totally see some of the the effects and how they're done and how awful some of it was shot but for what he had to work with at the time it was fantastic i mean you know they can't you can't compare you know the storylines are hokey it's not you know they're nothing they're they're not rewriting history with those storylines in those Star Wars movies, but they're fun movies to watch. You get into it, you like the characters, you know what's going to happen, and you either, you're either you on the dark side or the light side. I feel the Pirates movies are in the same... have the same effect. You fall into that world, you get, it, you get immersed in that world, and that's what I fell in love with, with the idea of... especially with Depp's character, with Sparrow. 
he's torn between doing the right thing a lot of times because he generally deep down inside is a good person, but he desperately wants to be free and in control of his own destiny and not having to f drag everybody else in it with him. He, by all means, right. you know, takes full advantage of being a pirate and doing whatever he needs to do in swindling and double-crossing to get what he wants. But in the end, in most of these films, he's done the right thing, um, humanity-wise, I guess, for the greater good, and still were, uh, and either not ended up getting what he wants or gotten getting what he wants and also helping his friends or his other people that he was involved with within the movies. And I think Stranger Tides is a greatest, a greater example of that with Barbosa when they're trying to get the silver chalices and they're having that conversation when they're tied to the tree and he's, you know, sharing the rum out of Barbosa's leg and you know talking about getting the pearl back and you know Barbosa is telling him he doesn't care about the king's crown and wearing the wig and the king and the being a privateer. He just wants to get Blackbeard and kill him for cutting his leg off and taking the pearl, you know and. And Sparrow says to him, "I'll see that you have that day and have that opportunity." And he sure as hell and yep. he sure as hell does. Depp doesn't go after Blackbeard to kill him. He lets Barbosa have his moment. And meanwhile, he tries to save you know the girl and does that whole flim flammery with the tear. I mean, to each drone. Everybody likes something different. You can't force anybody to like it. But I, I just don't understand the uh, the uh, strong dislike for the previous three movies and probably this one too. That's uh, that's all I have to say about it, really. I don't know if you got anything to add, Milford, or no. I mean, it's, it's. I thought it was a good movie. Everybody should see it. I mean, it's it's worth the it's it's worth it's worth the ticket price. All right, so we're gonna do our best segue from pirates to superheroes now. Um, <laughs> and we're gonna. Uh, Jessica went and saw the. Uh, she passed up pirates to see Wonder Woman had to do it man <laughs> it's fine hey listen no big deal i'm sure i think my daughter would want to see that as well and probably my wife so i don't mind uh see i i did not see civil war so i know that's where she debuted correct no, no she's not marvel oh. she is dc, DC. so she premiered oh, in batman, uh, batman versus right superman. Yeah. Which I, wrong wrong universe. sorry sorry yeah. i didn't see that one either because i heard that one was freaking terrible yeah. I heard that it wasn't. I great. heard that the high point of Batman versus Superman was the fact that Wonder Woman showed up, and I heard that from, yeah. from pretty much everybody that saw it. And I remember you saying it too, Jessica. I think you and Melanie said it too, or and Adrian. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So Jessica's going to give us a spoiler-free review, or her her notes yes. on Wonder Woman. So, and I'll, I will definitely put that in the beginning so people know that they can listen to at least the second half of this episode for now so yeah absolutely spoiler free <laughs> so when i was thinking about okay first of all for anyone that doesn't know like we were just saying there are two superhero universes so marvel which is owned by disney is the avengers iron man thor captain america black widow all them and then DC, which I think is Warner Brothers, is the Justice League, which is Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. So they're two separate. They don't exist in the same world. Flash. And this is... And yeah. The Flash, Green yes. Lantern, right? And Cyborg, I think, yeah. too, is, is DC. And I've always preferred Marvel. But I have to say, I went to see Wonder Woman, and I really loved it. And I've never felt that way about... DC movies so I was trying to think of why and I realized there's kind of 
three things that I really like and why I prefer Marvel movies, and Wonder Woman kind of fell into those categories. It felt more like a Marvel movie. So I'll kind of explain. The first reason I really tend to hate DC movies is because I feel like they try too hard to be epic. What I mean (laughs) is just every scene is like 7 million explosions with insane music. And sometimes there's so much happening that you can't follow any of it. And it's like Superman was like this. And then even Batman versus Superman. There's 15 minutes of them just destroying a city to the point that you don't even remember what's happening. (laughs) Yeah, and action for the sake of action. It's too much. Yeah. Right. And Wonder Woman really slowed it down. I mean, of course there was action. It's an action movie. But I thought that they really did a good job of focusing on like the pure skill of this character who is a warrior. And to that end, whenever she or the other Amazons, which are her people, did a really complicated move of some kind, they actually went into slow motion and like zoomed in on them so you could watch every piece of what they were doing. <laughs> like the whole and Matrix it, thing. <laughs> yeah, and it was cool because it didn't slow down the scene, but it made you really appreciate how much of a superhero this person right. is. So I really liked that. And then another thing that I think Marvel movies do really well is they have a lot of witty banter and conversations between characters that feel like a real conversation. Yes. Whereas with DC, there's so much of a dramatic line, a pause, and then they cut to another scene. And, or they just say the one thing they need to say, and then they move on. There's not much of a dynamic there. And uh, Wonder Woman had tons of banter, primarily between Diana, who is Wonder Woman, and Steve, who is the main guy. But all of the characters in, in her different worlds you believed that they knew each other because of the way that they spoke to each other. It wasn't the typical cheesy action scene, one line, and then they run off in different directions, that kind of thing. And and on that same note, the last thing was, I thought that Marvel movies have always done a better job of feeling like an ensemble cast, where there's more than just one character you're supposed to root for. And obviously the Avengers helps with that. And now <laughs> DC's gonna come out with the Justice League, right. so I'm sure that'll change a yeah. little. But for right now, with Batman or Superman, it's just kind of, even in the movie that was the two of them together, they were still kind of separate entities until the end. And I thought Wonder Woman did a great job of, even though she is the superhero, everything that they did, they did as a team. And there are kind of two phases. There's when she's in her home world of Themyscira, and then when she goes to Europe during World War I. And in both of those separate times, there was an ensemble, whether it was Amazon women or her her group of, you know, misfit friends in Europe, and they all kind of worked together. So it was really cool because you had multiple characters to root for. And there's one scene, and I won't tell you what happens or why because okay. it'll spoil it, but the, the location of it is called No Man's Land, uh-huh. and it is the coolest action scene I think I've ever seen. So <laughs> all right. I give that three thumbs up but (laughs) (laughs) i think just overall it felt more like it didn't take itself too seriously but at the same time they made it very clear that this is one you know boss chick who's not to be messed with so it was kind of a good balance of being a legitimate action movie and also just lighter and entertaining so i really liked it well it's one thing i'll give dc credit for they're at least doing some things with 
character development that I wish Marvel would do. Yeah. You know, Marvel, we throw Black Panther into the Civil War movie, and it's like, okay, who is this guy? <laughs> we don't have it. We don't have any real background on him other than the little bit we get from, you know, when his father dies. At least in these movies, you know, I'm going. You're going back to. Themysia, where she was raised, and the whole storyline at what happens, the whole yeah. storyline with Batman and what happened, the whole storyline with Superman and why he left the world and came back, and and all those things, and then you know you get into the whole Suicide Squad and and some of the backstories on the Joker and Deadshot and yeah, Harley no, Quinn and all those folks. You know, you at least get some backstory. You know, it'd be nice to have more backstory on Black Widow, on Hawkeye, yeah. on all those people that we don't know, you know? Right. Yeah, definitely. So I I'm wonder... hoping this is the direction DC is going with all this. You know, I, I, I'm I, going to, you know, I feel bad that it looks like we're going to jump right into the Justice League movie. And we're not going to get a Aquaman movie and a Flash movie. Though we had the Flash TV series, I guess. They uh, are doing an Aquaman movie because uh, they're filming for it right now. But yeah, I but think it's, Justice it's League might road, come out right? first. Yeah. yeah. I think Justice League comes out this December, doesn't it? Yeah, I think so. Because it's supposed to be like the weekend before Star Wars. Star Wars, I believe. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, that's... Yeah, yeah I wouldn't want to compete with Star no. Wars. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's kind of how it was for... Guardians and Pirates, because Guardians came out the week before Pirates. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. I believe. Yeah, because we saw... Or maybe it was Guardians was two weeks before. Guardians was in more, like the middle of May, because I saw it... Yeah, because we didn't see it opening weekend. We saw it the weekend after, and then Pirates we saw opening weekend. Not opening night. Uh, I think we went that Sunday of Memorial Day weekend. Which was good because the theater wasn't packed. It wasn't a friggin' zoo, so it, w it was better that way. Yeah, but all the other all okay. the other ones we had seen like opening night. Justice League comes out the weekend before Thanksgiving. Oh, before Thanksgiving! Okay. Oh, nice. So a good month before Star Wars. Right, so. right, right. Now let me ask you guys, since you're more well versed in uh, the Marvel movies and probably the DC movies. I mean, I've seen, I saw the. Original Batman's that with Michael Keaton and Val Kilmer. I have not. I think the only one I saw, of the newer ones I've saw was Batman Begins. Uh, I haven't okay. seen Dark, and I still couldn't tell you. I remember seeing it, but I don't. And it was fairly recently. So, are does it seem like those movies, either DC or Marvel? I know they're doing spinoffs for a lot of the individual characters. But does it seem like the movies where they're all grouped together are doing better? Like, how have... I know the Iron Man movies were a great hit, or at least the first two. But how have they compared to, say, the two Avengers movies? Or, like, the individual Thors? Are they are, are the individual ones, like, kind of along the same lines? As far as fan... Not money-wise, like, like fan-received. Versus, like, the group movies like Avengers and such. Well, with Marvel, it's a little bit tricky because after the Avengers came out, they've almost treated every subsequent movie like an Avengers type of thing. Okay. Like, it's pretty consistently said that uh, Civil War was a better Avengers 2 than Age of Ultron That's what I, That's what I've heard people say, yeah. 
So it's not easy to separate the individual ones. Gotcha. But with DC, I think people are just aggravated that they've been so bad because in this reincarnated one post-Christian Bale, the first ensemble one that I can think of was Batman v Superman. And it made a ton of money because everyone wanted to see them oh, together, sure. but it was really disappointing. That's what I'd heard, yeah. So it might be too early to, to tell for DC. Right, because this is their first this large group one, right, that DC has done with, like, the Justice League or any of those characters, right? I think so. That's because to my knowledge. Wonder, this, this is, Batman v Superman was the first time Wonder Woman has ever been in a movie. She had only been on a TV right, show. Right, right. Right. So or, I think, or the cartoons, or yeah, the animated series, right? Yeah. Which the newer ones are nowhere near as good as the older ones were in my eyes, too. Because I used to mm-hmm. watch the older cartoon Justice League and the Fantastic Four. and where, Who's the Fantastic Four? That's DC as well? No, that's uh, Marvel. Oh, they are Marvel. That's, they're Marvel, yeah. but those movies have done oh, so badly that Disney has been like, we're not going to acknowledge no, those. <laughs> I know. So if you go back and look at the three Iron Man movies, you know, the first Iron Man movie only made $585 million. Okay. The second one made... Six hundred twenty-three million, and you're gonna laugh because I thought Iron Man three was the worst. Iron Man three made one point two one five billion. Really? Jeez. Yeah. Well, that one was also the one post Avengers, I think. So everybody, yeah. it, the so other two were quieter because they were earlier. Right. Everybody was all fired up, so it was like, "Hey, let's go see it." I don't remember the third one. I don't think yeah. I've seen the third one, which I guess it wasn't wasn't that, that great. It was right, okay. Right. Has there been a a Hulk movie? There's been a Hulk movie, right? Or no? There was one in the early 2000s with Edward Norton. Oh, that's right. That's but... right. But it was before all this. It was before Iron Man and all those. Was... Yeah. For, for what I don't remember if he appeared in the Avengers or one of the Iron Mans first, but whenever he reappeared, they recast him with Mark Ruffalo. But originally, Edward Norton was going to be in okay. it. Okay. So it was going to be a continuation. Right, right. But I, I, so I don't know it, with the recasting if we're disregarding the old one or if it still counts. <laughs> yeah, it's the, very the, hard to tell. <laughs> the first one of it was The Incredible Hulk in 2003. Okay. Was that and the it had Eric, That had Eric Bannon. in it. That's right. Oh, That's right. And I forgot Josh about Lucas, that. The second one, which they don't. Because. Have here. See, what doesn't make sense with that stuff to me is, so, all right, so they've done a Hulk movie, obviously, and then before it got popular again with the newer stuff with when Avengers came out. Now, they've done the same thing with Spider-Man, because you had all those friggin' Spider-Mans before with, with What's-His-Face that were ter- that were terrible with that little mealy-mouth kid that was oh. Spider-Man. Yeah. And now you got this new one where, he seems, where Spider-Man seems to be more wit. Well, this is the third reboot. This is, yeah, so, it is. But, there was Tobey Maguire, Andrew Garfield, and now Tom Holland. Holy crap, I didn't even yeah. know there was a second one. I never liked Spider-Man. When I was yeah. a kid, Spider-Man was my favorite, but he's been so annoying in every movie adaptation that now I can't stand Well, the Tobey Maguire ones, yeah. I think I got halfway through the first ones, and I don't like Kirsten Dunst either, or whoever the hell she is that was the girl in them, and I was like, I can't even watch Ugh. this nonsense. And he just didn't seem like he was a superhero type at all. And I don't know who the Garfield kid is, and I've you know the trailer for the new one. I guess was pretty funny because now he seems to be more. He's not obviously he's not as brass as Deadpool is, but he seems to have that kind of manner towards him, like where he's more a wise ass and like a little punk kid type deal instead of what he was in those earlier ones. 
Where he? Where... Well, I'm gonna find it interesting to see how he got his powers in this one because. Oh, they're not following the same the story. The first one, the first one with Tobey Maguire was he got a spider. Bit, a spider. Right. Well, that's how he is in the comics, wasn't it? That was based. The second one was something odd. It wasn't. It didn't happen in a lab or something. I don't remember. It wasn't a laboratory spider. The first one was a laboratory spider. Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know all the backstories of all those characters anyway, but I, I knew the spider the spider bite part was usually how yeah. they always had the Spider-Man things go, but I, I guess we'll see what happens. I mean, my, I, I never was much into them because I never said before, I, I never was into comic books as a kid, uh, especially superhero stuff, so I was out of that whole realm when everything started getting popular again, but my daughter is, is big into them and likes them, at least the, the Marvel ones, so... I've definitely, as she's gotten into it, then I've kind of gotten into it more now that they have these all these movies to go and see. It's, you know. Now, if you really want corny DC Batman, you have to go back and watch the 1966 Batman movie with Adam I know, West. Who just passed, who just passed away. <laughs> who just passed away this weekend. Oh, I at know. The, it's so sad. At the age of eight, nine. Yeah. 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 Well, I don't just know don't watch do the it. one with George Clooney because it's not even funny oh, bad. It's just awkward. Both of them were horrible. That, those yeah. are the one, I think those are the last ones I saw with the stupid George Clooney ones. Yeah, those were uh, bad. I don't even. Even he has said that he like, like destroyed the, the character. So. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I like the one Al Kilmer. I think he was, he was good. Out of that, I think that was the best one for that Batman. Series. I liked Michael Keaton. I liked the original one with the Joker. That was a good movie. That held up for a long time. I think. Yeah. The Catwoman one was okay. Um. Penguin, I didn't like. Didn't care for how they had that character. Um, and then what was the one after that? The one with Michelle Pfeiffer? No, that was that. What? No, the one with uh, Riddler and Poison Ivy. That was the Val Kilmer one, right? Yes, that was a that that Val one Kilmer. was good. Oh no, that was George Clooney. That was George Clooney. Val Kilmer had the one with uh, Arnold. Was that him? Riddler and yeah, and and Poison Ivy and Arnold Schwarzenegger, no. Mr. Freeze. That was the one with no. That was that was on its own. Oh yeah, but that was who was with the Riddler? That was Val Kilmer. Yeah, but who was with the Riddler? Who was the other villain? I thought it was all of them in one. I thought it was like one big giant one with everybody. Okay, hold on. Yeah, yeah. IMDb that mess. Batman Forever would that be the one with Riddler? I lost track of the titles, but I liked that one. (laughs) But like we've that's ninety five directed. Jesus, I was that Joel old. Schumacher. 95 that came out? Man. Well, I don't know if this is the one you were thinking of, but it says the Riddler. Oh, Val Two-Face. Kilmer, Tommy Lee Jones. Oh, Two Face, that's Carey. right. Jim. It was Two Face and the Riddler. So it's yeah, Tommy that's Lee 95. Jones and Jim Carrey. Yeah. yeah. So what the hell is the one with Mr. Freeze and Poison Ivy? That's a, that's another one? And that was the first one Val Kilmer was Okay. In. He was actually in two, I oh, believe. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> Can't even keep track. It's been like 87 Batman movies. Oh, well, yeah, there has been, actually. There's been a bunch. Okay, yeah, so 89 was Batman. More than I thought. 89 was Batman with with Michael Keaton. 92 was Batman Returns with Michael Keaton. Yep. 95 was Batman Forever with Val Kilmer. Batman and Robin in 1997 was Val Kilmer. That, oh, no, that was with... So Val Kilmer was only in one of them. The Batman and Robin was with uh, Alicia Silverstone, right, as Batgirl? And Chris O'Donnell was Robin, right? Right. That one I remember seeing. I don't remember. 
Well, Chris O'Donnell shows up in Batman Forever. Yes. Because he was with the circus. That's right, that's right, that's right. All right, now it's all coming back. Maybe I've seen more than I thought. I guess they're just not that memorable. <laughs> Batman Begins was pretty good. Weird, man. It's dark. They get dark. The new ones are dark. I think The Dark Knight is excellent. I should That one, yeah. And then what's the one after? And then it's Dark Knight Rises was the other one he did. That's the one that when he, when he died, right? When Christian Bale... Well... When Christian Bale, right? Is that the one that, right, that came out right before he died? You think... I yeah, mean, there was spoiler Batman alert, begins, he's not really dead. <laughs> the Dark Knight, The Dark Knight Rises. Right. Yeah. Or Heath Ledger, whichever one. I forget who. That was The Dark Knight with yeah, Heath yeah, Ledger. Yeah. And then The yeah. Dark Knight Rises was Bane. Ba- oh, right, right, right. Okay, okay. Gotcha. Well, we got some movies to watch. <laughs> <laughs> Batman and Harley Quinn. Oh, it's a cartoon. Harley Quinn is Joker's girlfriend. Right. Yeah, no, no, I know who she is. She was actually a psychiatrist that he fell for, and she fell for him, and he ends up dumping her in a vat of acid. Right, right. That's how she becomes Harley, Harley Quinn. Quinn. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. I'll go along with that. Okay, so, now that we've gone way off track, and thank you for, thank you for listening <laughs> to... Okay. The history of Batman cinematic movies. <laughs> when Melanie hears this, she's going to throw stuff at all of us. <laughs> oh, wow. That's right. That's her fault. Don't tell her about the second half of the episode. <laughs> <laughs> I know. She doesn't listen anyway. Maybe she won't. <laughs> okay, so I think that's going to about do it for this one. We hope you enjoyed spoiler review of Pirates and the spoiler-free of Wonder Woman. We're hopefully going to have a full crew back soon and got some other stuff coming up. We're going to uh, reinstate some of the the park touring series that we started with so many months ago with the Magic Kingdom. Uh, we're looking to get some guests on to do some of the other parks. Uh, just people who are uh, not necessarily more familiar with them than us, but people who enjoy those parks or that we know that are, you know, that's their favorite park. So just to add a uh, another aspect to it. So that's what we're planning. We'll see how it actually goes, but just to, that's what's going to be happening. So, if you're going to be in the Indianapolis area on August 26th, uh, we're having our 10th anniversary indie Disney meet, and it's going to be a blast. We've doubled the space this year. Uh, it's held at the fairgrounds right here in Hamilton County in Noblesville, Indiana, which is on the northeast side of Indy, and we got all kinds of stuff all kinds of people coming this year uh yeehaw bob which i don't know how many of you are familiar with him but he does performances at port orleans resort at the river roost lounge we've got herbie the love bug coming of course you know our our favorite people the the princesses from frozen the uh 501st legion which is a fan group that does empire and rebel costuming from Star Wars will actually be here and there's some of that in the video that I posted so it's a carry-in everybody brings food and and holy cow we end up with a ton of it everything from savory to sweet Uh, they usually have a machine set up doing Dole Whips we have drawings and things like that but all the money that we raise goes to uh, give kids the world which is the the little community in Florida where basically 
make a wish takes their kids for kids that are you know come down with cancer and it's their make a wish to go to disney world so so all the money we raise for that goes towards that charity and we're also going to be doing a group podcast from there there'll be several of us there i know uh, mike relman from be our guest podcast is going to be there he started coming last year it'll be a really good time so if you're in the area and i'll i'll be talking about it the next few podcasts up probably even until that weekend so they have a kid's room with kids' activities, and they always have character meet and greets in there, face painting. They love a DJ. At some point, they show a couple movies for the kids, and uh, it's a good time. So come on out. Thank you for listening again, and as always, you can head over to thedizexplorers.com and find links to all our social media accounts for this podcast and where you can also find the individual personal accounts for those of us and so we would appreciate if you follow along with us and reach out to us and uh, converse with us on any of our social media platforms we uh, enjoy doing that definitely hearing from everybody as far as the podcast you can download us on iTunes Stitcher, TuneIn Radio Google Play and Podbean Uh, Please, if you would be so kind to leave a review on iTunes, and uh, you can leave comments on Podbean as well. Uh, We would appreciate that. And also, we are on YouTube as well, audio only. So if you care to use that, that's another way to listen to this podcast. Thanks again for listening, and we'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you.